The following is a message by Dr. Howell Jones from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. As you are aware, we are going to be giving some thought to Genesis chapter 3 this semester. And so I call your attention uh, to a portion of the New Testament that relates uh, to those uh, verses. Romans chapter 5, and reading from verse 12. Romans chapter 5, reading from verse 12. Let us hear the word of God. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, And so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted when there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. If because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. But as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. May God bless to us what can only be his own word. All scripture is equally inspired, but not all of it is equally important. The content of various portions of scripture and their place in God's scheme of things differs. And that explains The comment I've just made that may have woken some of you up, that not all scripture is equally important. If you still have difficulty with that thought, I suggest you open your Old Testaments to 1 Chronicles 1, and the New Testament to 1 Corinthians 1, and matter solved and peace of mind will reign. 
Now, I'm not going to offer you even a tentative list of the more important or most important portions of Scripture. The proof texts in our confessions will be a good place to start in compiling such a list, but be careful you don't invent a canon within a canon. What I want to say, however, is this, that on such a list, Genesis 3 has to figure prominently and you need to be convinced of the great importance of this chapter over against, of course, the widespread rejection of it, a rejection that is based on arguments, so-called, which display a lack of reverence for God and humility before God, unbelief as always more by way of a moral cause and an intellectual one. What I want to do is to present you with two reasons for the importance of this chapter and then draw a deduction from them and in that way to make an approach to Genesis chapter 3. The two reasons are these. Genesis 3 is basic to the Bible and it is basic to life. Genesis 3 basic to the Bible and it is basic to life. It's basic to the Bible in the sense that it relates to the harmony of God's truth. That's seen when we look at it in relation to the two chapters that precede it. And certainly as we look at the chapters that follow it in the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament. It's not without some anticipation in Genesis 2 where the Lord says to Adam, of all the trees of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it. In the day you eat of it you shall surely die. And there's a sense, isn't there, in which all that follows Genesis 3 proves the truth of that warning on account of the disobedience enacted And what follows Genesis 3 indicates that there is such a harmony on the historical factual level. There are many references to persons and events in Genesis 3. Adam and Eve, the serpent and deception, sin and death, the promise of a seed, the tree of life. And then on the conceptual or doctrinal level, sin, Satan, death, in Adam, in Christ, the Lord God, Jehovah the Sovereign, who is able to destroy and to save the one lawgiver. So even with those few details, I hope you can see and assure that Genesis 3 is basic to the Bible and to the New Testament in particular. It's the necessary background. Think of what the rest of the Bible would be like if we didn't have Genesis 3. We'd have unsolved, unanswerable questions. It's the background to the Bible's message of Jesus as the Savior. And so it's central to the gospel and central to the church. 
its confession and witness. But secondly, it's not only basic to the Bible, it's basic to human life because it points to the reality of evil. In life, in time, in space, on earth, this book and Genesis 3 along with it is part of the beginnings of everything. And in that opener, in that commencement, the reality of evil is clearly indicated. How is it that Genesis 1 and 2 gives way to Genesis 4? Because life now is not as it was in Genesis 1 and 2. And life as it has become is not inevitable, we may say, even given what is said in Genesis 2, which I've just quoted, of all the trees of the garden, you may freely eat. Adam was not under any compulsion, nor was Eve, to disobey. Genesis 3 then cannot be regarded as inevitable. That's part of its horror cannot be regarded as inevitable in the light of Genesis 1 and 2. Before Genesis 3, 1, everything in the garden was lovely. Everything was very good. Peace reigned. All that God had brought into being was replete with the resources and bound up with a potential that could be harnessed from what he had made to the glory of God and the good of man. But that isn't as things are now. Something has happened, and here and now is far removed and irrecoverable, far removed from then and there. And in spite of every attempt to recover the then and there in any shape and form, it's irrecoverable by any human expedient or attempt all is traceable to that incursion of evil and sin into the world and evil and death as a punishment for sin in its wake. And there's no avoiding or exterminating of evil and death in spite of all the manifold attempts to do both. The fruitlessness of which is perhaps nowhere made as clear as the attempt to describe evil as the absence of good, as a stage of development, a means of improvement. That can be so high-sounding, and those who use that kind of language can seem academically impressive. But let an aged relative be mugged or a child be abducted, and it's a different story. Genesis deals with the basic reality of fallen humanity, life in a fallen world, not the physical problems of energy crises, population explosion, climate change, nor the social difficulties, minimum wage, tolerable work conditions. 
unfair agricultural policy, security of employment, housing, immigration. The basic problem isn't hunger, nor AIDS, nor human rights, nor international relations, tribalism or nationalism, nor are the psychological problems that come a little closer, of course, to the reality of evil, nor are those psychological problems the main difficulty. Sickness, fear, shame, alienation between the sexes, loneliness, guilt. Genesis 3 is basic for life as it now is in the world. And even though it doesn't tell us everything about the origin of evil, it tells us more than you can discover in any other piece of human literature. It has more by way of an answer than can be found anywhere else. It's basic then to the Bible. It's basic to life. Those are the two reasons. If you want to understand the Bible, you must understand Genesis 3. And, of course, Christianity. And if you want to understand life, you have to understand Genesis 3. Well, there's a deduction from those two reasons, and we'll be expanding them later. And the first is negative. It's this, that obeying the cultural mandate is not enough to deal with the basic problem of life. The basic problem of life defies solution by the cultural mandate. End of Genesis 1. Fill the earth and subdue it. We cannot subdue sin and evil and Satan and death so as to eradicate it and bring in the new heavens and the new earth. It's just not possible. To try and to do it is a kind of social gospel among some who are reformed. The environment has changed. People have changed. Sin has come into the world. Death by sin has come in its wake. There's now a kingdom in, on earth that is in origin supernatural. It is a rebellious kingdom, up in arms against God and his Christ. This world has a prince ruling over it. And it's populated now in large measure by the seed of the serpent to try and preserve species or conserve resources in an attempt to recover a kind of Eden is the height of folly to populate, educate, legislate isn't the way forward not that we shouldn't do these things but it's not a means of recovery and restoration of Genesis 1 and 2 nor will it bring about of course Revelation 20 to 22 Obeying the cultural mandate isn't enough. Proclaiming the gospel promise 
is what's needed. Sin and death and Satan have to be dealt with. People like Adam and Eve fallen have to be changed, and changed they were. And how does it come about? Well, it comes about as you know, even in this, shall we call it, a black, dark, dismal chapter. There is that first proclamation of the gospel promise that that unique seed of the woman would bruise and crush the head of the serpent even though his heel would necessarily be crushed on the process in the process that's the gospel promise that points to the last Adam for this purpose was the son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil if they could be destroyed by any other person, by any other means, would he have been sent? Would he have come? Would he have lived? Would he have died? To ask the question is obviously to indicate how essential it was that none other than he should be sent, none other than he should come and live and die. And it's through his atoning work that sinners are transformed, regenerated, and reconciled, made friends, having befriended Satan. They need to have that alliance broken and now brought back into friendship with God. Jesus Christ reconciles. And it's true that even in the life of believers, Christian believers, we need to beware of this old, fallen world and dark regime. Give no place to the devil, Paul says to the Ephesians. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. There's this supernatural dimension that though broken is not yet cast out. And you and I have to grapple with it. But we grapple in the name of the one who overcame the world and through whom we will overcome. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the voice of their testimony, not loving their lives even unto the death. And through his blood, all things will be brought into perfect harmony in heaven and earth, and even in hell. God will reign in hell through the blood of his cross. Genesis 3 is vital. Believe it. Bear it in mind as you read scripture and in every other part of your Christian life and testimony. Let us pray. Receive our thanks, O Lord our God, for this particular portion of thy word. Help us to understand it. Grant that we might be impressed with its truth and filled with its power and enable us to see more and more how utterly essential it was that none other than Jesus Christ should come in order to obey 
and live and die and rise and grant that through believing in him we as we have read might reign in life unto eternal glory. Amen. Copyright 2008, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way, and you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this broadcast on our website is preferred.